You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by the Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thank you for joining me on The Partner Podcast. This podcast is focused on giving law firm partners useful and relevant information that will help them improve in their lives, grow their practices, and get more business. I am a high-stakes headhunter. I work like a sports agent for law firm partners who want to take meetings at other firms and make a move. I work in the two largest legal markets in the world, New York and Washington. And from my experience, I've noticed that if a law firm partner can improve in their execution, performance, and resilience, they will grow personally as well as professionally. On today's podcast, I am interviewing Judith Gordon, who is the founder of LeaderEsk. She does consulting, coaching, speaking, and training, and I was extremely impressed when I saw her give a presentation at the annual conference of the National Association of Legal Search Consultants. I reached out to Judith because I felt that her expertise offers significant insight and solutions into some of the challenges that are unique to attorneys. Judith equips professionals with the resilience, emotional intelligence, and mental fitness tools needed to maximize productivity, performance, and execute stellar management, leadership, and client service to catalyze the bottom line and thrive. Today's topic is Thrive at Law and Beyond, a tools-driven approach to vitality in practice and in life. So I've got with me on the podcast today, Judith Gordon, who is an attorney coach, workshop facilitator, and lecturer at the UCLA School of Law. Her coaching practice and programs take a research-based, tools-driven approach to career management so that attorneys improve their performance, increase their vitality, and thrive in practice and in life. Who doesn't want that? She's (laughs) She's on the board of the ABA Legal Career a center on the faculty at the California Health and Longevity Institute. Institute Judith is a longtime mediator, a nutrition enthusiast, aspiring athlete, occasional adventurer, and one-time microbiology researcher with a continued deep interest in science that plays a central role in her coaching. And this is interesting. Pay attention, everybody. She recognizes that practicing law requires the stamina of an athlete. And that as cognitive athletes, lawyers benefit from understanding how the brain and body work. She educates attorneys on how to best utilize and improve their own mental, emotional, and motivational fitness. And then to translate that into greater vitality and, drum roll please, a healthy bottom line. Judith, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. I am delighted to be here. Thank you. So I remember I met you at a conference for the National Association of Legal Search Consultants. And if people don't know what that is, it's a trade association of legal headhunters, if you can imagine such a thing. And I remember <laughs> you all talked about, it was communication. I think, yes. it, was that was that what the topic was, communication? Yes. Good. It so was, got, uh, we focused on active listening. Active listening, and, that's right. Yeah. Yes. And I found that you're, you seem to really have your thumb on the pulse of what causes people in the practice of law to, to thrive. And so I'm glad I reached out to you talking about our topic today is thriving in practice and beyond. So so let me ask you, what motivated you to start training lawyers in these things? 
Well, thank you for asking that uh, because this has become a labor of love for me. And it really comes from a place of having experienced what attorneys experience. And that is we go through law school, we get a very uh, highly analytical training, we get into law practice, and we get on the treadmill. And at some point, many of us wake up and wonder what happened? How did we get to where we are? In my experience, that coincided with a report landing on my desk about the high rates of dissatisfaction in mm. practice and in the legal profession. So I, I hadn't been aware that, uh, that there was actual research out there, that there were researchers studying uh, lawyer satisfaction and well-being. So I, I was really intrigued by this report. Um, at the same time, I'd been studying emotional intelligence um, I had been practicing meditation for quite a while, uh, which I found to be a fantastic tool for centering myself and really get, becoming aware of what, what was happening in my world. And um, that was before it was um, before it was in vogue. And I put all the pieces together and I realized that I actually could do something about this. I, wow. I really wanted to nip this, uh, issue in the bud, and I felt that working with students was a good place to start. So, so uh, let me kind of ask you about this. What were the goals when you pursued this? What were the things that you wanted to accomplish in your career? Well, my goal for pursuing this was to help law students and lawyers actually uh, understand what their motivations were and why they were practicing law and how to manage all the demands and the stressors that were going to be thrown at them so that they could stay in line with why they were doing what they were doing. That's a, a very important part of thriving in practice and in life is really aligning your core values, your definition of success with your practice and with what's happening in your world. Right, right, right. So, so as we kind of go into that, let me ask you, how, how can you kind of hit on some of those factors that help a, an attorney build a sustainable and successful career? And think think in terms of people that are at the partner level. That's what this podcast is targeted for. These, these are people that have achieved a level of success. They're in it for life and they're not going to yes. stop. What are some of those factors? Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually working with quite a few partners and uh, I'm hearing the same thing from a number of them. And that is, I like my practice. I like my firm, I, I, I love my work and the challenge, and I want to have a life. And so they're finding that there's um, sometimes that there's friction between uh, living their lives and uh, uh, thriving in a sustainable practice. So uh, one of the things that we focus on, as I mentioned, are core values. So what's driving you? What is, what, where do you get your fulfillment from? And it, it, it's actually a deeper dive than one would imagine. Um, so that you really understand how you have um, how you have actually gotten on the path that you've gotten on, what drove you to do what you're doing, and recognizing that that is actually still operating uh, at a deeper level. And once we tap into that, we can actually use that to fuel our uh, our performance and our uh, practice moving forward. Interesting. So let me ask you this, kind of going down that path a little bit. When you talk about core values, how would you define that? What is it? What exactly does that mean when you say that? 
What that means is if you fill in the sentence without, without X, life would suck. Right. Without X, life would, wouldn't, would just feel meaningless. And so what that helps us do is prioritize and really, so a lot of us have a lot of the same values and we don't necessarily live them. We think, oh, it's great. We should care about the environment and we care about, um, uh, helping others. And we, those are kind of general values that we live by, but really what are your inner drivers? What's motivating you to be successful? I heard somebody define it this way. She said that if all of, if you had all the money in the world, all your relationships were perfect and you had all the time in the world, what's left over? Yes. So it kind yes. of cuts away everything else. It cuts away all the demands that we have. And I think once we get to that space, now we can find that compass upon yes. which we can make decisions effectively. And I know exactly. within my own life, when I've come to a crossroads, do I go left or do I go right? I go back to what are my core values? And I've found it's interesting that sometimes in life, core values change. I think one of my values is convenience. You know, the older mm -hmm. I get, I don't want to commute that far. I'd rather take the metro into work, so I'm going to stay in the Beltway. Look, you know, family, right. things like that. I, I sold a training company, so I don't have to travel as much. Uh, so I think that when partners are making decisions, do you think that having that clearly identified value system, that core value system, do you think that helps them in making decisions about direction? Yes, yes, that's an excellent point. Our values and our priorities do change with time, as does our definition of success. Mm. So understanding what matters to us most in a given period of time is really, really important. So yes, go ahead. So I was, was going to say, you talked about uh, this before, intrinsically or extrinsically motivated. What, what do those mean and what's the difference and why is that important? Yes. Well, why that's important is that people who are intrinsically motivated tend to be more fulfilled in life. They have more a greater sense of self-determination. They feel more in charge of their lives because they're driven by what matters to them most. And so if you're looking at self-determination, uh, it, it gives us a sense of freedom because we feel in charge of our practice and our lives. We, we're making the decisions from a place, from an intrinsic place. But if we're driven by extrinsic uh, values, that means that we're responding to our external environment, which can mm -hmm. actually be very distracting and very um, stressful. So uh, that would uh, include, I need a bigger house, I need a bigger car, uh, I need to live in a better neighborhood. Now, all of those things are legitimate and they're valuable, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with wanting a bigger house and a, and a better car and living in a better neighborhood. The question is, are those your primary drivers? Because if they are, then you never actually reach a place of fulfillment. There's always going to be another place that you're uh, trying to uh, go or achieve because those things don't satisfy our deep psychological needs. Interesting. So, yeah. So the, uh, the attainment of those goals means, okay, now what? What's the next thing that I want? But right. what we want to look at are our core values. What are, what, what are our deep psychological needs? What, what matters to us most? And when that drives us, then we really are able to create a fulfilling life. You know, the image I had in my mind as you're talking about that, you remember that movie Citizen Kane with Orson Welles? 
Absolutely, yes. It starts Classic. out in the beginning, Rosebud, Rosebud. You don't know what that is, and then he keeps building wealth and keeps growing and growing. And then you hear mm -hmm. he cries out for what he had at one of his happiest moments in his life, the thing yes. that had the least amount of monetary value. Right, right. I do an exercise with my students um, where I uh, say to them, similar to what you were talking about a few minutes ago, where um, I say to them, if you, uh, you get a deposit every day into your account of $86,000 and change, I forget the exact number, and uh, every day you have to use up all of that money or you get to use all that money in any way that you like, and then it goes away at the end of the day, but then it's redeposited on the next day. And essentially, they, they eventually figure out that that number correlates with the number of seconds in a day and that's how much time we have and so what are we going to do with that time what are we going to do to make it valuable wow that's very deep that's meaningful it's a fun thing <laughs> it's a they they really enjoy it it's it's a great exercise um you know interestingly there's a there's a film that i think most of your listeners might be interested in called unraveled and it's a documentary about Mark Dreyer. Are you familiar with Mark Oh, yeah. yeah I, I saw that one. I remember that. I've seen that twice. I know people that were in his firm when it happened. And likewise. And that, that speaks directly to the issues that we're talking about. Mark, uh, you know, I, I actually want to thank him for making this film because it really drives the point home that extrinsic values will not satisfy our, our human needs. Whatever it is that we need to thrive, what is motivating us? What is driving us? Interesting. I think it's interesting that everybody looks through a filter. And you can choose to change that filter. You can have the filter of a victim. You can have the filter of a champion. And yes. if you see the world through that lens, well, that's just the way it is. And I remember in that documentary, he talked about, here he was doing well. You, you saw the house that he was in, in the, in the, in the penthouse of a, of a high-rise mm -hmm. in Manhattan. And he's talking about clients that were truly wealthy, billionaires, and he wanted more of that. And it was just insatiable for him. Yes, it was insatiable. And he felt that he wasn't uh, re getting the recognition and the admiration yeah. and the remuneration that he deserved. So he had a skewed sense of what matters. And he, he talks about that uh, at some point in the film where uh, people had tried to, his parents had tried to warn him that he was going down a, a slippery slope. Do you think that most people in the legal profession are like that in some way, or do you think he was just an anomaly? I, I think that he represents what happens to us when we get so busy and we're so engaged in our work that we don't take the time to step back and find value in in the activities that make us feel good. What right. makes you feel good? So people go home, many of the partners I work with go home at the end of the day and they feel exhausted. And, and they've been working all day and they get home at night and they feel exhausted and then they take a break and they work some more. And so the question becomes, and then and as well as the client always comes first, right? So 24 seven demands. Right. When, when do I get to just focus on myself and re regenerate and rejuvenate? Um, that's where understanding how the human body and the human physiology work. Humans weren't designed uh, to to operate 24/7. Yet in this world, in this globally connected 24/7 world, 
we're often called upon to operate 24-7. So how do we manage our energy? Wow. How do we manage our physiology so that we are available without burning out? So what are you hearing then from the people that you work with, your clients who are partners at, at big law firms? What are some of the things that you're hearing from them? What I'm hearing from them is I don't have time. I don't, uh, I, I, I'm, can't, I really don't have time to work out or um, I need to wake up in the middle of the night and take calls, things like that. So what we talk about is how you manage uh, your energy at, uh, throughout the day so that you're actually conserving energy and being more efficient. So, for example, focused work. And if you look at the brain, the way the brain was developed was to keep us safe. Our brains weren't really designed for thinking. They were designed for safety, right. safety first. So if we are experiencing stress, the brain will actually shut down our cognitive function. It will actually prevent us from thinking clearly and being able to problem solve. Now, most of us are able to power through this, but we're really not at our best. And, and we know this with later on, we'll go, oh, I, I could have said this or I should have thought of that. It's in the quiet moments that we get these great solutions. So one way to manage that is to recognize that we are in charge of our thinking and our feelings and how we manage our stress. So the important part to understand about that is that when we, so a distracted brain is an anxious brain. If you think about it, when we were developing this human operating system and, and we were in danger uh, constantly, the idea that we were distracted meant that we could become somebody's lunch. So a distracted brain is an anxious brain. Now we fast forward millennia, and here we are in a world where we're constantly distracted. We're trying to work on a brief. We're getting emails. We're getting phone calls. We're getting interrupted by our associates. And so our, our brains are very distracted, which increases our anxiety. It's really important, a way to, to be able to really manage your energy and um, Finish the day efficiently and productively is to do focused work. Pay attention to the one thing that is in front of you. Move away from multitasking to single tasking. Wow. And when we, when we single task, we are much more efficient. We get the work done more quickly. We get it done at a higher quality. We um, get it done with less errors. And then um, take a break and go to the next thing. And this conserves our energy. It makes us feel more productive and more efficient. We actually are. It also diminishes the release of stress hormones in the body so that we are physiologically feeling um, motivated and calm. And so at the end of the day, we're actually feeling refreshed instead of feeling drained and exhausted, like you we've know, just get, gotten off of a treadmill. Everything you've mentioned, it makes total sense. It's interesting to... The way you describe this, this is all high-performance achievement. This is sports psychology. If you look at the way the body works, and I know you spend a lot of time talking about this, and I want to hear some of some of the input and advice you have on nutrition and health and things like this, but when you cut your skin, that point where the skin grows back and a scar tissue is stronger. If you break your bone, the point where you broke that bone grows back stronger. If you, mm -hmm. if you lift weights... You're increasing your strength and your muscles, but what are you actually doing? You're actually tearing your muscles down, and you don't exercise. You don't train the same muscle group two days in a row. You have to rest. 
Because when you rest, that gives healing. It's the rest itself is what gives healing and strength to our bodies. How are ways, what are some ways that a partner level attorney that's working in a firm, working on high stress projects, what are some things that partner can do to build that strength? That is an excellent metaphor. I'm really, really glad that you raised the issue of uh, muscle on bone. The way the bone becomes more dense is the friction of the muscle against the bone. And so the, that friction is actually, if we, if we look at life, as, if we look at it as a metaphor for life, we actually grow from the friction that occurs in our lives. And the healing comes during, as you mentioned, rest. So the brain is very much the same. The brain needs rest in order to uh, learn, in order to remember, in order to problem solve. It needs periods of non-directed thought. There's a very interesting research done by the University of California at Irvine on uh, the brain going into these, just these kind of relaxed zones where we're zoning out or we're daydreaming, just non-directed thought. And mm. during this time, the brain is actually embedding uh, information and processing information and making sense of it. So. If we're running, think about if you run up a flight of stairs and you get to the top of the stairs and your heart is pounding, what do you do? You give it a rest, yeah, right? right? The brain is the same. If we're working our brain all the time without rest, it starts to diminish. The cognitive function starts to diminish. So we have about 75 to 90 minutes of focus time that we can really work mentally after which we really need to give our brain a rest. We need to take brain breaks. And that can be zoning out, staring out the window and looking at the trees. Definitely need to turn away from your computer. Looking at our phones uh, keeps the brain in, a, in an active brainwave state. So we wanna take, take our focus away and go into a non, a, a less active brainwave state, an alpha or theta state. Right, right. So look out the window zone out for a few minutes, um, meditate if, if you enjoy that. And it, it doesn't need to be uh, 20 minutes. It can be two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Your brain needs rest. So, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it, and it, you feel refreshed afterwards. About two years ago, I started painting, and I started painting with watercolors. I'd painted years nice. ago, worked with an instructor. YouTube's a great teacher. And mm -hmm. I found that the mornings that I wake up early, have a meditation, write my goals down, and then I paint for maybe 20 or 30 minutes. I'm fresh. I'm, I'm beautiful. Ready to go. And, uh, That's what's interesting, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, if you want to see it, you can go to Instagram. My handle is watercolor addict. And that's my, that's my bad habit. That's great. Yeah, I know. I, I stayed up we to should 1 all have bad habits like that. <laughs> I stayed up to 1 a.m. painting watercolors last night. I just couldn't put this one this one piece down. And some people have asked to buy my work, which unfortunately now it makes it feel like a job. So I'm probably not right. going to sell it. I'll probably donate it to charities or for fundraisers. But, but I found that by spending time in a creative function that has nothing to do with work, that gives healing and rest. What are some ideas along those lines that you could give to partners to, to give themselves that mental and emotional strength? Absolutely. So that's a good point. And that aligns with the idea of knowing what matters to you most and knowing what your core values are. So where do you get your enjoyment? What sparks joy in you? What lights you up? 
when can you remember uh, a time in your life when you just were having so much fun mm. and it likely wasn't at your desk, although that can happen when you get into a right. state of flow in your work, you can really be feeling in the zone and turned on and lit up and all those wonderful things. And where beyond your office are you feeling that? What, if you're not doing it now, uh, what do you remember from your youth or your recent past where you really were in a space of joy? And what was happening in that moment? So again, were you perhaps painting or, or uh, listening to music or playing music or cycling or playing basketball with your friends? What what are those activities that just take you out of your um, intensive thinking zone and into a more creative zone? So, so tell me then, we talked about the mental aspect, and those ideas are great. What about nutritional advice? Is there any nutritional advice that would help a partner perform at a higher level? Absolutely. One thing that we really need to pay attention to is how much sugar we're ingesting with uh, difficult about that is sugar is hidden, refined sugar. So I'm talking about the white stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Refined sugar is in almost everything we eat and drink if it's processed or manufactured. So what, what happens... About soda? What about soda, Coca-Cola and all that? Right. So soda probably... Um, if I were to give lawyers one piece of advice, it would be to quit drinking soda. Yeah. Here's what happens when you drink a soda or any um, soft drink that has a lot of sugar in it, it hits your brain and it gives you a momentary um, charge because your brain needs glucose to function. But refined sugar actually increases the, uh, it stimulates the production of adrenaline and cortisol, which are our stress hormones. So it actually increases your stress on your body. So you may get an initial mental rush of a brief period of focus, but it's, it can give you up to five hours of added stress. Wow. In addition to that, it diminishes brain capacity. It diminishes brain function because it actually reduces the number of dopamine receptors in the brain, which is our reward center. If you reduce the number of dopamine receptors, then um, it, it lowers your mental stability. It lowers your ability to feel good. So in a sense, what we're doing is we're actually sabotaging ourselves by um, eating a lot of refined sugar. And I'm not saying not to eat a cookie or a piece of cake. That's fantastic. But we have to be careful about the total amount of sugar. So when we um, have that slump, that mid-afternoon slump, like I remember at, the, uh, at my last firm, my office was located just diagonally across from the kitchen and about four o'clock, there would be a stream of attorneys heading in and out of the kitchen, um, picking up their uh, free sodas and snacks to get them through the next several hours. And uh, what was happening is that they were loading up on refined sugars, on, on glucose, uh, which would then give them that initial charge, but ultimately, um, causes you to feel more stress, not really function as well, interferes with problem solving and memory. It's been linked to dementia. And um, 
also isn't very good for our weight. There is a direct correlation. We are seeing um, we are seeing metabolic illnesses in children that wow. we've never seen before wow. because of the increase in sugar in uh, cheap foods, in foods that we uh, give our children and that we eat on the run. I mean, that is another uh, nutritional piece of advice that I would give to lawyers. If you really want to function optimally, then take a few minutes to figure out what we need uh, in order to think. So there are uh, stress-fighting foods. There are lots of them. For example, tree nuts, almonds, walnuts, pecans, pistachios actually stimulate uh, GABA, which is a neurochemical that calms the mind. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. And so if we're feeling stressed, eating, eating nuts or bananas or citrus fruit also stimulate GABA, uh, also calms the mind. Walnuts and pecans are protective of the brain. People who start to limit their sugar, their refined sugar intake and replace it with complex carbohydrates like fruit and nuts and uh, whole grains start to feel better. They start thinking more clearly. They have more energy. They're, they have more sustained energy as opposed to, ha as opposed to having um, spikes and drops, spikes and drops. And I, I remember this very clearly in myself, going through days where I would be on a roll and then I would suddenly have this deep dive and feel exhausted and then I would, uh, my, my go-to drink is coffee. I love coffee. And coffee has a lot of benefits, so I'm not suggesting Good. that people get off of coffee. Um, but how we ingest it, when we ingest it, makes a difference. Coffee in the morning is ideal. Uh, one in the afternoon is fine. But if you're drinking it throughout the day, then you're, you're putting your body on a, uh, on a seesaw. And if you're combining that with a scone or a donut or a muffin, then you're really setting yourself up for a crash. And I remember... It was really interesting for me to observe this in myself. There was a cafe in my building that had the best muffins in the world. And every now and then I would get a craving for, for this particular muffin. And one day I called and I said, do you have any of those muffins left? And they saved me the last one. I ran down there and I got my muffin. I had it with a cup of coffee and I was in heaven. And one hour later, I was non-functional. I was sitting at my desk, and I, I literally realized that what had just happened. I'd, I'd never quite made that direct connection before, but there it was. So I definitely practice what I preach, and I've seen a, a shift in my own energy levels, and I have much more sustained energy throughout the day since um, pretty much eliminating but limiting refined sugar. A couple of other simple, very simple things to add to that. Um, one is you know, don't want to make it difficult. We all stress eat. And so having those snacks available, as you mentioned, they can be nuts, dark chocolate, uh, so that when we do need to stress eat, we reach for the right things. But also moving around a little bit, standing up. So if you're taking a phone call, uh, pacing when you're taking that phone call, stand up and stretch a little bit. Every time you move, you're actually getting your oxygen flowing. You're, you're giving your brain a... Um, uh, reboot, uh, you're increasing your focus and your mental clarity, and you're burning a couple of calories. So it's really good to take the steps instead of the elevator. These are little things you can do throughout the day that add to your energy, your your clarity, your focus, and and help you feel more evenly sustained. Well, Judith, you've given us some great advice. 
some great wisdom that I think could improve the lives and enhance the careers of those partners listening. What are some offerings that you have? What are the things that you do professionally that can help the people listening and how can they reach you? Right. Well, uh, my website is uh, leaderesq.net. That's L-E-A-D-E-R-E-S-Q dot N-E-T. And um, my email is judith at leaderesq.net. Uh, I do a few uh, different, offer a few different programs. I, I'm, a, I'm a coach, so I do work with partners individually. And I also present uh, workshops that focus on thriving in practice. So what I've done is I've taken the essential elements of the 14-week course that I teach at UCLA Law School, and I've broken it down into seven one-hour programs. And those programs are available um, individually as a lunch and learn. I, I some offer them as a package if a firm is interested in taking a cohort through uh, through the program. And I also uh, do retreats and women's retreats, women's initiatives, associate programs, et cetera. The, the sooner that people uh, have an understanding of what goes into being able to work in a high-stress, high-demand environment, the uh, sooner they're able to succeed and thrive in practice. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners that want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.